0: At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, he is Lord. I hope you believe those words this morning. I was with a friend uh, it a couple of years back and we were eating lunch and we were at one of those places where most likely there were uh, wings served and uh, we were watching TVs and uh, there uh, were these, these games of competitions that were happening on the TV. Maybe you've seen these before. Uh, people lifting weights and doing all kinds of, of uh, arm raises and push-ups and all kinds of physical activity was all, happening all over the screen. And it was amazing because these were just like regular Joes, like ordinary people that were doing amazing things on, on TV. And then suddenly, I started to see the, the name of this these games pop up everywhere, CrossFit. Uh, I don't know if you've seen these places anywhere, if you're involved in these, But it's amazing because it's apparently taking people that are everyday Joes and the before and after pictures are crazy. I mean, people that are, you know, maybe a little overweight and not really thinking about health suddenly are just shredded and ripped. And I don't know what it's about these people that are ripped like that. They like to take their shirts off a lot. Uh, It's like, it's hot in here in church. Let me take my shirt off. I never have that temptation at all. But you see them everywhere now, and they're kind of popping up. And I I started doing a little research on this CrossFit. And maybe you're a part of one of these groups, but why does it work? How does it happen? Uh, And, you know, it's pretty simple it's giving people a picture of what can happen. Here's what's possible. Here's the before, and here's the after. And then there are, are communities. That's a big part of CrossFit that you're a part of this group of people. That are working to strive together and they're encouraging each other and pumping each other up and, and uh, growling a lot and uh, there's also these exercises that you do you know you that's a part of it. you have to like exercise too. I know it's crazy, but you have to do and th- these variety of exercises and kind of muscle confusion stuff and, and all this working together and before you know it, you'll just be you'll be shredded. That's all that it takes, right? Uh, But this group of people kind of working together. As I've thought about uh, that this week and the journey that we're about to take, uh, Jesus calls us to something. He calls us to be his disciples, to follow him, to actually become like him. Now, when we think that or you hear that, you go, whoa, 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 Jesus up here me down here. And I just, there's a, a world of difference there, but he calls us to be like him, to be like him. And I know what you're saying. People don't change. Okay. We are the way we are. We're just kind of, we have, especially when you get to a certain age, you're just, you're stuck and you're just, that's the way you are. And you know, it's just, that's the way it is. Uh, but Jesus doesn't really agree with that. It doesn't seem like the scripture believes with that. In fact, he tells us this that I'm going to leave and this Holy Spirit is going to come. And it's better for the Holy Spirit to become because we can have this relationship. And through the Holy Spirit, you can become like me and you can grow closer and closer to me. And and we can have this this bond together. He tells us that in John uh, chapter 16. So I've had this picture in my mind. Maybe it's the CrossFit. Maybe it's just the, the, the reading that I'm doing. But suddenly I just have the Holy Spirit as the ultimate personal fitness trainer, okay? And for some reason, as I was thinking about that, I just thought, now who would be the pers- best personal trainer? The rock. Uh, the rock, definitely. So now I cannot get Holy Spirit and the rock out of my mind, okay? So the Holy Spirit is like the rock for us, and he is, he is wanting to train us. And what the Holy Spirit does is he builds us up. He encourages us. Sometimes he convicts us and go, and, and, he, and he does all kinds of things through us, and he makes us and forms us and shapes us to be like Christ. Now, in the next eight or so weeks, we're taking a journey together. We'll call it the good and beautiful God as we seek after God, and, and I kind of think it works pretty similar to what you're, you're hearing in the, in the book if you've started to read the book that we're journeying together with. It, it's like this. There are narratives that Jesus gives us, pictures that Jesus gives us, and it's so important to get the Jesus narratives right, because a lot of the pictures, the stories that we have in our life, maybe aren't so accurate. Um, I went to lunch a few years back with a friend of mine, Keegan. We went to a Mexican place around the corner, and I'm not going to tell you which corner, so you will not have bad vibes about it, but we went to lunch, we ordered something. I take the very first bite, and I pull a hair out of my mouth. I'm going to say it was this long. Uh, it just kept coming. It was like I was doing some kind of trick, okay? I know, it's disgusting. I was deeply disturbed that day. Uh, but yet I found the, 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 uh, something in me to keep eating, but, but I have never <laughs> been able to go back there again. I'm like, I have made my mind up, okay? I have got something in my mind. I, can't, I don't think I can go back there again, okay? There are stories, there are pictures in my mind that I can't get out, okay? And for some people, the same is true for God. They have pictures in their mind. Maybe they've had some bad experiences with, let's be honest, some of us. Maybe they've had some bad church experiences. They, they just have had bad stories, and there's things in their life that have shaped them about God, and it's hard to shake, okay? It's there. But what but God wants us to do is to look at an accurate picture of who Jesus is and who God is and compare the two and say, which one is better? And sometimes the Holy Spirit does that to us in unique ways. Uh, a friend of mine uh, this week, or actually it was two weeks ago now, I suddenly get a text, and the text read, you are, this is a paraphrase, you're driving like a wild man. Uh, you're driving way too fast, and you need to slow down. You'll get there soon enough, Okay. And when I get that text, I don't know if you've ever got anything like that before, I immediately, something triggered inside of me. I cannot believe they're talking about me because I am not that kind of driver. I am an excellent driver. Who do they think that they are? And then something happened, right? I started getting a little convicted. I started thinking about well, what was the last five minutes like how I was driving. And then suddenly, you know, it kind of hits you sometimes that I'm wrong, that I was wrong. And it was in that just a simple text. And you hate admit, admitting you're wrong sometimes, right? But when we look at the narrative of Jesus and we look at our narrative, sometimes we have to say, you know what? Maybe, maybe the pictures in my mind haven't been accurate, and I need to, to change those. So we get got to get the pictures right. And, and how we do that together as, as a community is so important. Community is so important, Right? Because in community, we work together to shape the what what we think and the way we view things. And we, we work together to, to talk about these things. Growing up in my teenage years in South Carolina, there is a barbecue place there. Uh, most of the barbecue there, it, it's crazy. You're, I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna blow your mind. It's mustard-based barbecue, okay? Mustard-based barbecue. Now, the people there, they're convinced that this is the best barbecue in the world, right? Now, when you're in the middle of that, you're like, oh, yeah, this is the greatest. Except my wife, my sweet wife from Colorado, was like, this isn't good barbecue. This is terrible. This has got mustard in it. Who would eat this? And yet I had just bought into the lie. You know why? Because everybody in the community, this is the greatest barbecue ever. And then I came to the holy land known as Texas. And I said, what was I eating all those years? this sweetness that's here, this barbecue, okay? But why did I think that? Why do people still think that? Because of community, the community. Think about some of your decisions. Some of the best decisions that you've made, some of the things that you've maybe even formed, some of those narratives in your mind have been shaped and formed through community, through people either good or sometimes in in negative ways. We see that in gangs, like, why would they do that? They're a part of a community that is pushing them a certain direction and forming images in their mind. So community is a big part of that. The other part of that, is, as we become like Christ, is we need to train our mind our and our bodies to become like Christ in various ways. We, we do this through exercises, not pumping iron as much, as there's some things that you need to have in your life on an everyday day level that are going to help you to become like Christ. We know And if if you're a Christ follower in this room, and if you've been following Christ for a while, you know that when you are reading God's word, and you're making time for him, and you are having conversations about God, what do you say about your relationship with God? It's going, it's amazing. I feel so connected to God. But when those things aren't there, what happens? I feel so distant. I feel so distant away from him. There is a direct correlation, folks, and what we want to talk about in small groups as we chew on this book together and we discuss this book, we want to maybe introduce some new uh, training exercises for you that will help you to come be, just gain into the rhythm of who Christ has called us to be. Romans twelve two. we know this verse, you've heard this verse probably a lot, don't conform to the, this world or the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our minds? We set new patterns so that you may prove that the will of God is and that which is perfect, good, and acceptable. We need new patterns in our life. So this is how we become more like Christ. And it's doable. It's achievable. But it's only achievable with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit working through God's word. The Holy Spirit working through conversations. The Holy Spirit working through habits. We don't just do things because we're trying to get a check mark from God. We do that because we want to be transformed by God. And it's only through the Holy Spirit It's only through the Spirit talking to us. I could could preach the the best message you've ever heard, but if the Holy Spirit is not in it, it's meaningless. It's just a resounding, a a, a gong, just noise to be heard today. So before we go any further, can we pray that the Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our ears today to what He'd have for us? God, I am humbled by You, Lord. I'm humbled that that you, Creator, God, the one who has made the stars and the heavens, you want a relationship with us. God, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for what you do through your Holy Spirit. God, I pray, God, that you would mold me and shape me this day, this very day, that I would become more and more like you. That's our hope, Lord. God, we're not satisfied with who we are right now. We want to be what you've called us to be in this world. Lord, make us like clay lord if we have hardened hearts today god i pray that you would shatter those god i pray that your hands would shape us lord form us into your disciples lord we want your mindset we want your eyes we want to see people the way you see them lord we want to see god we want to see the father the way you see god the father lord god help us to do that lord through your spirit in the next few weeks but not just the this, this series god we don't want a series Lord, we want to be your disciples all the time, Jesus. That's my prayer. It's my prayer for my friends, Lord. I lift this up to you in your name. When everyone said, amen, amen. we got a lot of college kids. I don't know if you picked up on this, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks. We lost, uh, well, I say lost, we didn't lose them. They're there still, but they graduated from high school. There's 15 of them. Some are in the area, some have, have left. We've heard some great things that are happening. Uh, we've got uh, a kid, uh, Jordan, who's playing uh, football, Jordan and Landon, they're playing in two different colleges. And uh, we've got Casey Huron that's cheering now. She made the cheer team at SNU, which is awesome. Uh, Heard good news about uh, our boy, uh, Brandon, uh, or Jonathan, I don't know why I said Brandon, Jonathan, who played the drums. Remember Jonathan? He went to Trevecca. He made the PR team as a freshman. He's going to be traveling on the worship team around different churches in the Southeast. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, you know, I think back, as I'm thinking about these college kids, I'm thinking back to when I was in school, and when I was in school at Truvecca, the greatest school in all the land, uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, my freshman or sophomore year played this game called Gotcha, and it's pretty simple. It involves water guns with, oh, sorry, I should have hit Ripley. Um, It involves a water gun, yep, and uh, it involves, I I don't, we, we pay like two bucks, I think, and, I want to say about 200 people paid two bucks and uh, got a water gun, About probably about a nickel's worth of a water gun here. And the, the goal is pretty simple. You are at a campus-wide game where you are given a secret name and you have to go and you have to shoot that person with a water gun. Right. And then somebody out, out there has your name, but you don't know who it is. And, and so there's this there's just people that are constantly looking around every corner, and you don't know who's good and who's evil, and you just are, you're trying to stalk out, I mean, search out the person that you are trying to find, and some of these people, you don't know their names, uh, and some of the rules are you can't shoot people in buildings, so there was none of that in-classroom stuff, but in between, it was just like mass chaos that was happening all around, and water guns are flying, and my friends, my closest friends, Matt and Mark and Daniel and Adam, we were serious about this, Okay. We may or may not have had a friend that was able to find out everyone's schedule to know when they came in and out of class and hide in different places and then you know shoot people. Uh, and so we were slowly moving our way up the, the leaderboard of this thing, and it came down from like 200, and it's down to 20. And we're pumped because that two dollars is multiplied by 200. That's what the winners get. Okay, the top three. So like a hundred bucks to a college kid is like a million dollars. Okay it just multiplies. And so I'm just thinking, okay, I can take this thing. I can win this thing. This is how I'm going to get put on the map. And people are going to know my name. And uh, so I am serious about this. So serious that I have a 7.30 class one morning, 7.30 in the morning, systematic something. And I have to get up early. And it's hard for me, but on this day, on these days, I'm getting up at 6.30 to get there early so that no one can get me, okay? So I'm Creeping into class. I'm starting to creep to class at 6 30 in the morning. I see my buddy Matt Cameron and he's, he's about 20 yards away and he's starting to walk toward me. I think, oh, he's going to tell me where my target is. We've talked about this. He starts to walk toward me and I catch his eye from about where, me to Johnny Wagner. And suddenly I see something in his eye that I've never <laughs> seen before backpack flies, (laughs) books fly. I am a running as hard as I can. If Matt Cameron was here today, he would argue with me that he got me that day. He did not shoot me, okay? (laughs) Did not shoot me. Get to class, (laughs) no books, no nothing. And and for the next three days, I hid in the bushes. (laughs) Who is on my side? who is good? You are evil. Everyone is out to get me. But guess what? Second place right here. Second place. Yep. That was about, I think it was $75, which was pretty amazing. All right. <sighs> Woo! It, it was a good day. I don't know if you ever watched a movie before and you had that same kind of thoughts of like, is this a good person or is this a bad person? I was thinking about that. I was totally bamboozled in this Frozen movie. Did you see that with this Hans guy? Suddenly he's nice, and then he is not so nice, is he, in the end? He's the bad guy. And and Hollywood's doing this thing where, you've seen it maybe this last summer, it's like, we don't even know who the good guys are anymore. We're, We're fighting each other. Like, there's a civil war, and you go, well, who's on the good team and who's on the bad team? I don't know. And even uh, this Captain America and, and even Superman and Batman. Who is, who is good and, and who is evil? A.W. Tozer says this. He was a great theologian and he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is maybe the most important thing about us. What comes to mind when we think about God is maybe the most important thing about us. So, So in this series, we're going to talk a lot about this. And maybe the thought is, you know, I thought about even naming the series this, God is blank. God God is is blank. I I thought about going that direction as we think about who God is. And as we go to our source today, our, our best source in Scripture, the red letter source in Scripture, we go to Jesus, we find out who God really is. There is this story that's told three or four times, three times I believe in the Gospels, in Mark and Matthew and Luke. It's the story of this rich young ruler, and he wants to find out how he can get to heaven. And so he goes up to Jesus, and he asks him what seems to be a pretty innocent question. He says, good teacher, and he starts it off that way. And Jesus stops him. This is an interesting moment. He says, there is no one that is good but God. There's no one that's good but God. Do you remember that? He defines it right there that God is inherently, and that's what that word really means is, fundamentally, foundationally, there is only one that's truly, really good, and that is God. God is good. You've heard that most of your life. I prayed it as a little kid. That was the prayer that we prayed. God is great. God is good. Let him thank us for our food. That doesn't make sense now I say it, but we've said that a lot. God is good, but there are are things in our life that we're going to be honest today, and today is kind of honesty day. Maybe there's something in in us that, that has questioned that? I don't know if God is good. Maybe you've thought that in your mind. Why would we think that? Because we look around and we see what's going on. We, we see the pictures. We see the stories. We've got memories in our mind. We see things and hear things like Zika virus in the world and how, how that's hurting and, and affecting people. We, we remember images like today, which we remember 15 years ago, the things, the pictures of faces in our, our minds, and the, the hurt and the suffering that happened on that day, 15 years ago, 9-11. I think about, think about little Ryland, who we prayed for this morning, who has cancer. Think about my grandmother. There were a few years ago, I'm holding her hand, and it's so hard for her to breathe. I honestly prayed that God would take her. God, why would you, why would you put my grandmother through this? I think about a guy this last Sunday. I was in a devotional uh, with some guys at our softball trip our softball trip that we took on a Sunday morning and he gave an amazing testimony of his life. Two days later, he passed away out of nowhere. And we just are shocked to hear it. I was shocked. You could think about pain in your life and, and hurt in your life. I think about these images of flooding in Louisiana. I see pictures like the so one I saw, maybe you saw it on CNN or wherever I saw it, it was this, this couple that just addicted to heroin with a baby in the back seat. And you go, just, they're just strung out, and this little child in a car seat, and go, God, why, why, do they, or why are they blessed with a child? And then another couple that is totally following you, loves you, they can't have kids. Why, God? Why is there so much pain and suffering in this world? And I believe, I believe we've all had that question before, haven't we? We've all wrestled with that. And that's, it's probably the hardest question to answer. You know, Barna did this study a, a couple of years ago and said, if, and basically the study was this. If you could ask God one question, that was the number one question. Why is there pain and suffering in the world? And I got to tell you today, as we wrestle with this, this is our first week. I know it's, it's a tough one, but I think it's an important one. There's not any easy answers as we we go into this, so we kind of jump into this this morning. We know in in our minds and our hearts that God God is good, right? I uh, saw a movie uh, a couple years ago, it's been a few now, you've maybe seen it, Bruce Almighty. It's the thing where Jim Carrey, and there's one scene that I will remember forever. It's the scene that he is in the middle, he's praying to God finally, and he's in the middle of the road, and it's raining, and then he gets hit by a bus okay? And then he goes up to heaven. and He's like, God, why did this happen? Well, you were in the middle of a road <laughs> standing. You were in the middle of the road standing. What did you think? What, what did you think was going to happen? And, and some of our question today, I think, can be answered a little bit somewhere in there. There is, a, there is a cause and effect in our world. In the very beginning, God created the earth. He created us. He created everything. And he said, what? This is good. This is good, but it wasn't a few chapters into the story that things that were so good turned dark, and sin entered the world, and it wasn't even a few chapters after that that the first murder happened with brother killed brother, and the world became a fallen world, and sin just ripped this place apart, and the reason, the answer to some of the, the questions we might have today, why is, why is there evil? Why do bad things happen? Because sin. There are consequences to sin, folks. You guys know some of those consequences. You've experienced them firsthand. I heard a, little, a story about a little boy, the, the same story from um, the pastor, Dr. Heck, who shared a story as himself as a little boy last week where he would put one pillow over his ears and, and one pillow over his face as a child because he was trying to drown out the, the sounds of yelling and fighting in his home. And some of that was to try to drown her in his own tears because he knew and he said this, you know the old adage, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. And the abuse and the things that he experienced, there's the consequences of, of sin in our lives. Those are direct cause and effect there. And they don't just affect us, do they? They affect others as well. Why why did this happen 15 years ago, this 9-11? There were people that were full of sin and evil that got into some planes. They plotted evil, and they carried that plan out. It's hard to hear, but there is sin and there are effects of sin. You've experienced it yourself in various places where you've hurt maybe others, or others have hurt you, and there's consequences to those things. Those are natural things that happen because of, because of our sin, but, but then, you know, if, if God is all-powerful and, and God is all-good, why does he allow it to happen? Why does he allow it to happen? We we talked about uh, these college kids that we have, and there's something about this group of kids uh, that they're, they're, I feel close to them, Felt close to a lot of classes, uh, but I've seen these kids grow up from little bitty kids to to now they're in college, and I see some faces around the room, and I'm just so, I'm so invested in, in, in that, that group. And there's a part of me, and I, I know maybe you're feeling this as a parent, that you just want to just, and I know that one day I'm going to feel this with my kids, my three kids. I'm going to just want to go, I want to take over, okay? I know that the most important decisions of your life are going to happen in the next four years. Let me decide for you, okay, what you're going to do with the rest of your life, very important who you're going to marry. I'll make that choice for you. I'm going to be better at it, okay? Uh, the girls, Briley and Quinn, you're not going to marry anyone, so it doesn't matter. Uh, let me make all of those decisions for you. I will take control of those things, okay? And this will be the best way. And, and somebody, so if I just declared that, that I was going to do that, one of you, probably Miss Jackie or Miss Ruth, would come afterwards and say, you cannot do that to those babies, You cannot force them to do this or that. You know why? You have to let, if you really, really love them, you have to let them choose. And you have to let them go. This is hard to hear, folks. But a world with free will, I cannot imagine a world with free will that doesn't have pain and hurt. Because we have free will, because God gives us a, a choice. There is pain and there is suffering in this world. And he has given us that choice. And he gave it to us from the very beginning. But what about these things that are like just natural things? Think, things that happen that we, you know, natural disasters. And things that, that really the sin doesn't have a direct correlation to. Okay? That maybe someone's personal choice didn't have a, a connection to. Jesus actually, he addresses that right on the, on the head in Scripture. If you look at it, there's a tup- couple of different places, and maybe you discuss this in your life group. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 13, and uh, what he says is this. Is, uh, you know, there's this narrative. There's this voice that says, you know what? God is angry. And if there's anything that is, bit bad, is bad that happens in the world, there is a direct correlation between God's anger and, and, and what happens. So if there was this thought back in, in the day that in the Jewish culture, that if you were even sick, you had obviously sinned, that had caused that sickness to come upon you. Even if a child was sick at birth, well, obviously, one of two things happened. Either the child sinned in the womb, or parents sinned that caused that to happen. And that's exactly some of the questions the disciples have, as they're learning to wrestle with this just like we are. And so they're asking questions, and, and something happens in Luke 13. It says this, about this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. So there's this murder by this the Roman leader, Pilate, these murders. And the question they ask is, do you think those Galileans were worse sinners? You hear that? They've obviously done something to cause this to happen to them. Worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? And what's Jesus' response? Not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. So there's this foreshadowing ahead. And then he says this about the 18 people who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them. So it was this natural disaster. This tower fell on a a group of people and and suddenly people died. Were they worse sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again, unless you repent, you will perish too. So this thought about eternity there. And then John chapter 9, they just go right at it. And, and they see this man that was born blind. And the disciples ask the question, well, well, somebody must have messed up. Somebody must have sinned. Was it the parents or was it the, the, the kid? Was it the man? And Jesus says, neither one of them sinned. But I am going to, to give glory to God through this suffering. that that's going, Glory is going to happen to God because of this suffering. It wasn't caused that way but because, and it wasn't because of a personal sin, but I am going to get glory through this act. So Jesus clearly states to us that, that God is not the cause of evil. And not every bad thing that, that happens in the world is because of, of personal sin as well. So that kind of ruins the thought of moralism. Moralism is this. If I am a good person and I do good things, then I'm always gonna get blessings. If I don't, if I eliminate the, the bad, because the bad is what brings the bad things in my life. If I do bad things, I always get bad things. If I do good things, all the times so I'll get good blessings from God. But what does Jesus tell us? He tells us in Matthew five clearly, it rains on who? It rains on the just and the unjust. Good things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. You know about some really, really bad, really, really bad people maybe a, a coworker, a boss, or somebody, why did they get the promotion? They didn't deserve it. Why did that happen to them? And why does it happen to me? Because we live in a fallen world, and a lot of our why questions, they don't have answers. And, and if you've been reading the book, one of the things that, that this really jumped out in my mind was this quote, and I'd like to, to share it with you. It's, it's Augustine. And he says this, we do not know why God's judgment makes a good man poor and a wicked man rich, nor why the wicked man enjoys the best of health, whilst the man of religion wastes away in illness. Even then, it's not consistent. Good men also have a good fortune, and evil men find evil fortunes. So though we do not know by judgment these things are carried out or permitted by God, whom is the highest virtue and the highest wisdom and the highest justice, and in whom there is no weakness or rashness or unfairness. So what Augustine tells us way back in the fourth century is this there's sometimes that we don't always know the why. We don't always know the why. And I've been in situations, and I've been a pastor now for for about 15, 16 years. And it's given me the privilege to, to rejoice with people in some some amazing moments, but also see some of the most painful moments. I've been in services where the casket was only this big. I've been in homes when families received the hardest news. And in, some, in those moments, sometimes we have this, we have this desire to want to put a why on it and try to explain the why even to families. Maybe you've been that family before and someone comes up and tries to tell you the why something is happen, happening. And we, 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 we're so tempted to do that. I, I, think, I think we can do a disservice to people. In fact, I think that we can hurt people in that moment because we, we want to know the why, some of the things that we say. What I've come to the conclusion as I've wrestled with this, and I've been wrestling with it all this week, is I've I've seen who God is, and I know, I know in my head that God is good. I see what God has done through suffering, how he's redeemed suffering. As I look at, at what God has done through his word, I think the story can be summed up pretty quickly, pretty easy. Genesis 1 and 2, creation, beautiful, good. Genesis 3, 4, Sin enters the world, fallen, broken, chaos, hurts, evil. And in the rest of the Bible, the rest of the Bible, up into the last few chapters, we see a God who is trying to redeem the hurt and the suffering and the brokenness. He's doing everything he can to take that which is, 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 is causing the pain and, and, and make it into good. And he does that in a variety of ways. He does that in a variety of ways. And I, I, I bet that God has the temptation. You kind of see it in the dialogue. I, wish, I just want to take over and take away this free will, but I'm going to instead work through, through suffering, and I'm going to redeem it, sometimes in ways that we can see and sometimes in ways that we can't see. There is a story that a friend of mine told me. He's like, you, you've got you've to hear Kim's story. It's amazing. Kim goes to another uh, church. But I I thought uh, it would be important for our discussion today.
1: When Woody and I met, we were in college at the University of Kansas. I was 27, and I think he was 21. I grew up in an abusive home. I was sexually abused by a family member. So... God was not part of the equation. When I gave birth to our first son, Hunter, I really wanted to give him faith, and that is when my faith journey began. After our daughter, Haley, was born, we suffered two miscarriages. Then when we became pregnant with Hayden, we were told that he would have Down syndrome, uh, but he was born completely healthy, and I think that really moved Woody's heart. And shortly after that, he accepted Christ as his savior.
0: Through it all, through it all, it
1: is well. While as a small group leader for M12, I met Mariah
2: and instantly just felt a connection with her. When I was seven years old, my family kind of blew up. My parents got divorced. I was also sexually abused by a family member. We kind of moved around a lot for the next couple of years up until my seventh grade year, where we settled here in Lawrenceville. I started to dance. I kind of clung to dance as a release for everything. Her mom was a single mom, so I would
1: do whatever I could to get Mariah to small group. And if that meant picking her up, taking her home, I would do it and it was during those rides in the car that Maria and I really connected. I don't know, we were just kindred spirits.
2: Who was just very broken, very hurt in many of the same ways that I was. He was kind of the starting point for me walking away from Christianity, and uh, I, I rejected my faith. I decided to be an atheist. Her mother contacted me,
1: too, and just said, Mariah has completely rejected God. She said, she's an atheist. Will you pray? I never stopped thinking about her, loving her, so and just pursuing This past Mother's Day, we decided to go to Mount Yonah and go for a hike, and it was a great day, beautiful. Um, the kids ran ahead of us, and we just had that time alone on the trail to just talk about the future, and our dreams, and our plans, and Near the top, we came to this ledge and all three of the kids were there and they said, hey, you got off the trail. We were like, yeah, we know. And the trail was about chest high to Woody and Woody asked Hayden, hey, if I get up on this ledge, does it flatten out? Will it be okay? And he's like, yeah. And so he started to climb up and he got, he was almost up on the ledge when his feet just slid. And Hayden and I just watched as he slid down The granite slope trying so desperately to um, just get a hold of something, and he didn't. And I just saw him go over the ledge. He was unconscious, but he was still breathing. I sent Hunter, our oldest down, to meet the EMTs at the trailhead so that they knew where to come. And we held woody for an hour or more i don't even know how long until the emts got there and his injuries were awful they worked on him for several hours and i finally saw them lift him to the Light helicopter and that's when he died
2: and it was probably one of the first sad things I'd ever seen happen to her. I knew how close they were and how how great a marriage that was. So I texted her right away. uh, I said, I love you. and I went to the Celebration of Life, and I was just sitting there in in Hamilton Mill Campus. By the end, I was trembling. Almost everyone had been talking about how wonderful Woody was and how, if he'd had the chance, he would say that, If his death brought someone home back to Christ, then it would all be worth it. It lingered in my mind. And my only response was that that's me. That's I'm the one person. All of a sudden here comes Mariah just
1: straight for me threw her arms around my neck and she said, I get it. I'm going to church this Sunday.
2: I had had my interesting journey and it was time for me to come home and begin this new journey, my tears
1: sorrow in that moment went to tears of joy and I said Mariah if Woody's death means your life Can't manufacture. I could not admit this. I am broken. I am hurt, but at the same time, I feel so much peace. It is well. I know it is because I am so loved, and I have never felt more loved and protected in my life. And it only comes from God. He is more real to me now than he has ever been in my life have an
0: intimacy with him that I wouldn't trade for anything. What a, a beautiful testimony of how God is redeeming uh, something that was very tragic. Sometimes uh, there's not a bow to the story. You kind of feel like there's a, a package deal there and you get to see the whole picture here with Kim's story. But we always don't see the bow, do we? We don't always get to see the, the end result. We don't always get to see how God redeems and takes things that are painful and, and can turn them into good in only God's way. Sometimes those things happen in us. As we turn to God in life's most difficult moments, He shapes us in those moments. I, I remember seeing the book uh, Joseph Bailey wrote, uh, A View from the Hirsch, and he tells a story about how he had to bury three of his kids. I can't even imagine. And he talks about how in the mourning process, he said that two people showed up. One man, he had all the answers. Well, this is happening because of this, and, and here's the whys, and here's what God's doing and is done and and just talk talk and and all kinds of things and and then another man came and he he barely spoke unless spoken to Joseph said he he wept with me he cried with me he hugged me he held me up sometimes as I thought about those two men I could not wait for the first to leave and I could not bear the thoughts of the second one going Jesus is pretty clear to us, and this is not things that we want to hear. In this life, we are going to have troubles. We're going to have pain. If you're a Christ follower or not, you're going to have, if you're not in the middle of it now, it's going to happen sooner or later. You're going to be there. He says this, take heart. I have overcome the world. What does he mean by that? This world is not our home, folks. That through the death and resurrection of the cross, because of what Christ has done for us, because he has paid the price for our sin, he has prepared a place. There is a place, there is no, on the last pages, there is no more pain, there are no more tears, and there is no more hurt. This, is, this life is not the end of the story and the redeeming process of God. And as we've wrestled with this, this question of why, A guy named Tim Keller, I think he says it best. As I look at the whys of pain and suffering, as we ask that question of why is there pain, why do you allow, why is this happening? As I look at the cross, as I look at the sacrifice Christ made, those questions don't always disappear. But I cannot say, there's something that we cannot say about Jesus that he cannot relate to our pain. In our suffering because Jesus in an ultimate act of redemption took pain and suffering and he ultimately redeemed it for the glory of God so my prayers I've thought about this this morning how we would kind of land this plane I don't know what you're going through right now I don't know if you're in the middle of it now you're in the middle of hurt you're in the middle of struggle I don't know if you're in the middle of things that no one knows about at work, at home, wherever. But when you come eye to eye with God and He is with you, He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. I beg you, do not run the other way and hide in the bushes. He wants to embrace you and He wants to hold you up. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to wrap His arms of love around you. And so this morning with your your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I just want to spend some time praying with you, and maybe you just need to, to to talk to God this morning, and you need to run to Him. You need to tell Him about some hurt in your life. Maybe, maybe you just need to confess that you have been angry at Him. Maybe you need His help this morning. Maybe you've tried to to, to do this all on your own, and you've just kind of pushed God to the side. God wants to heal, not only this morning, but He wants to heal in your life in various places. Would you trust Him, that He is a good God, that He is a good Father? Jesus, I thank You, uh, Lord, for Your love for us, God. I cannot deny that this morning. I As I think back at flashback moments, Lord, I've heard God, sometimes I, I I think we, we think that we're alone in that, God, but I know that, that you're with us. I you know you've, you've held us up. God, I'm so grateful for that, Lord. I thank you for your love that you are not a distant God that is on some kind of holy hill, but you have been involved in our life and you've been seeking us and you've been chasing after us and you've been calling out our name. And we've run to different places and different things and tried to find purpose and happiness there, Lord, but we know it only comes in you, Lord. God, I pray that you would heal hearts this morning. God, I pray that, Lord, that we would know without a shadow of a doubt, Lord, that you are good. I Thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that you are for us, you're not against us. God, I pray that you would bring uh, redemption, Lord, through our suffering and our pain. Lord, I pray that you would use it to to mold us to be more like you, Lord, but I pray that we would be able to speak hope and, and truth into the lives of others, Lord. God, I pray that we would mourn well with others. We wouldn't just be there for the days that are, are easy, but we would be there when there are hard days. And we would be your representative in those moments, your ambassador, when we could hold each other up, that we can lift each other up, that we could, Lord, encourage, not just with some kind of tried answer, Lord, but sometimes with our tears and our hugs, and the hope that we have that this place will one day disappear. And one day, we will be in a place where there is no more suffering. And we will rejoice the one name that makes it all happen. The name of Jesus. Lord, we love you. I lift up my friends in this room right now. Pray that you would go with them this week, Lord and carry that hope as they seek after you in every area of their life. Lord, we lift these up to you in your name. Amen. Amen.